0: Guys, welcome back to Mastering Agility. By now, you know the whole purpose of this podcast, of this platform is to connect you and inspire you with the best of the business, as well as with other agilists. One way to do that is by our free events. Examples of those are the Pizza Agility sessions in Boston, September 28th and September 29th in Atlanta. Pizza Agility are free events, free sessions Uh, where we provide the pizza, you bring the energy and we facilitate sessions through liberating structures with teaching from the back of the room and we connect you and we learn from each other. Topics will vary, but find find the links for that in the show notes or go to the NL Scrum Meetup group on meetup.com. Now for this episode, we have Daria Bagina, professional Scrum trainer, and we're talking about the missing skills within your Scrum team. If you want to know more if you want to connect to others join the mastering agility discord community link also in the show notes but for now we're going to join daria and discuss what she feels are the missing skills for scrum masters and for the scrum team hey Dariam, my co-professional scrum trainer how are you doing
1: doing great thank you how are you i'm
0: good i'm really warm it's about 30 (laughs) degrees celsius i think 95 degrees fahrenheit that is somewhere around
1: that yeah no i don't only understand celsius myself
0: (laughs) (laughs) same i always have some difficulties trying to recalculate that anyway it's really warm over here on this side of the world as mentioned you are a professional scrum trainer and you teach the professional scrum master courses and the other classes what kind of skills do you feel that scrum master whether that's an experience or a beginning scrum master what skills do they need to have
1: well i think when we when i was thinking about that that scrum master role overall um am working with a lot of scrum masters especially the ones who are still new trying to get into this role and um I was thinking about the skills in terms of what are the must have skills for scrum masters and what ones are kind of an extension for when the scrum master is ready to move maybe to the next uh, steps in their career. But when I was thinking about the must have skills, what always comes up are things related, well, first of all, to the knowledge of scrum because the scrum master is the representation of Scrum in any organization. They have to know Scrum. They need to be able to explain it, right? Um, But in order to be able to explain it, they need to be a good teacher because we have a lot of very complex concepts uh, in Scrum and Agile overall. and, um, And being able to explain those concepts in such a way that people can easily understand and actually apply them that definitely is a must for me. Um, then, of course, we look at skills you know, like coaching, facilitation, mentoring, and I think those are definitely needed. I look at them as core skills, but I feel like they're not yet a must. You have to have that Scrum knowledge. You have to be a good teacher. And then I feel what really helps a lot of Scrum Masters, the great Scrum Masters, I see people who are able to kind of get the job and start pretty quickly are the ones who are good learners. Like those are the scrum masters who will go a long way because they are always in that perpetual learning, they are continuously improving. We teach continuous improvement to others, so we need to be able to do that ourselves. Yeah,
0: so so they should have a growth mindset instead of a fixed mindset. And uh, there's also a difference yeah. between doing Scrum and doing professional Scrum, right? Everyone mm-hmm. seems to be writing Scrum and the Agile and hype train these days. So you see a wild growth of Scrum masters popping up and all the uh, related related accountabilities, related roles. What do you feel is the difference between professional Scrum and just doing Scrum?
1: Ooh. <laughs> That's, I think, a tricky topic, right? A lot of people believe there are doing Scrum, that they are doing Agile, and I'm highlighting the word doing, um, but in reality, is it is not true. Um, and I feel that professional Scrum is about principles and values and really being able to understand that those underlying reasons for using Scrum and Agile, um, rather than Processes or even just the framework itself. Um, Kind of when, you know, both of us are trainers, we went through the whole process. And um, when I talk about this experience, I say in order to really become a trainer, you need to kind of geek out on Scrum, as in go deeper in your understanding of what Scrum is, right? Um, And that's what makes you a professional trainer. You need to understand all of those things that no one I'd say, initially thinks about when they're taking the Scrum framework and applying it. But we look at it in that way, right? Daily Scrum, how is it connected to transparency, inspection, adaptation, right? Uh, How does it help us with Scrum values? When you start seeing those connections and really focus on those values, I think this is where you get the highest benefits, from Scrum and Agile in general. Um, but also, this is what differentiates d- just doing Scrum and following the process um, versus professional Scrum.
0: Exactly. Instead of getting into the mechanical or the zombie Scrum, as uh, Johannes Chateau, Christian Verwijs, and Barry Overim,
1: yeah.
0: awesomely wrote, zombie Scrum is just going through the motion. And that's yes. very much different than what you mentioned. Embracing the empirical approach, the transparency, inspection, adaptation. but it's really challenging to get into that stage. Do you feel that organizations really understand what a Scrum master or what a Scrum team is supposed to be doing to enable effective and professional Scrum?
1: Oh, well, I think some do, but, uh, you know, recently I've been going, um, a bit more into systems thinking and uh, models like reinventing organizations, holacracy, things like that. And what I understand is that um, the problem is not that people don't understand. I feel like the problem sometimes and most of the time is that the structure is not built really for scrum to be fully successful the current organizational structure i mean the how we set up hierarchies and who reports to who and then um, what the dynamic is between uh, management right and the teams and um, i feel this is often what Does not allow organizations and teams to be really successful with Scrum because we have those old structures that keep getting in the way.
0: How do should we break those structures down then?
1: (laughs) Well, it was that easy, you know.
0: Looking for the million (laughs) dollar answer.
1: (laughs) But um, I think one of the things that I see a lot is that when we look at developers in a team, right? They are specialists in what they do. Uh, they know exactly how to build a product, right? They know the technical side if that's a technical product. Um, one of the things that we ask of them or anyone really on a scrum team or whatever the role is, um, is that you need to be proactive, not reactive, that you need to self-manage. Basically, each... Scrum team member technically, in a way, needs to be acting as an interpreter. They are part of this small little startup group that is working on this big product, and each of them is accountable and should have ownership over that product, over the success of that product. But traditionally, this is not the structures that we set in place in the organization, right? Um, I do my job, I'm a specialist in this, and this is what I do. Right. This is kind of the expectations we set uh, with people you know, when we started working. Um, and the dynamic between the manager and the team member never really asked for that proactiveness or self-management before. Oh. I don't know if what you think about kind of that angle that I'm taking. Well, oh, yeah,
0: I think that's very much true. It's very much very siloed thinking like these are the things that I'm hired for and that's exactly what I'm going to do and nothing else. While you rarely get hired for achievement of goals, but very strict lines. Like these are the activities that you're supposed to be doing. And then you can say, well, I was supposed to do this. I'm not going to pick up that because it's not in my contract. If you would take that into mm-hmm. a different angle, like we're here as a, as a scrum team uh, together with management leaders, stakeholders, and I think there should be a more of a common, uh, agreement, an outspoken, transparent agreement, what we expect of all these people together playing together, cause it's not just the scrum team, right? But how we're going to move forward effectively and for the achievement of goals. And I think that's something that where, where you, you already mentioned being a teacher, I think that's where a scrum master also comes in teaching stakeholders, how to engage and interact with the scrum team. Because their voice is super important for the success of a product. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of stakeholders and a lot of organizations still undervalue.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, when we say, okay, we're going to go Agile and we're going to implement Scrum, um, it always feels that it kind of ends at the level of the team. You know, the team is going to implement Scrum, and the team needs to do that, and the team needs to do this. But the reality is, in order for this to work, the whole system needs to be aligned. And this means, as you say, stakeholders, right? Management and stakeholders also need to learn some new skills, such as letting go of control, um, being a good leader, giving good direction, um, creating great goals. All those things are necessary if They want Agile to really succeed because this is what they need to do now versus maybe what we traditionally um, used to do.
0: Maybe we should create a course on how to unlearn stuff. (laughs) You've now gone through your education. Cool. Now we're going to redo all that. And now you don't know anything uh, anymore. I think that's the most effective way because it's so easy to always think on if you look at co-active coaching on a level one style mm-hmm. reflecting on based on your experience, what it does to you and uh, very inner monologue kind of listening. And I think that's one of the first things that you would, that you should drop off. But I also do think that speaking of missing skills, that is one of those missing skills to engage with, to, to teach people how to not listen with your experience, but keep an open mind. Um, that's very challenging and it has a lot to do with culture in general as well. Yeah: Speaking yeah. of missing skills, what do you feel that a scrum team as a whole is lacking on general level? Like you're a consultant as well, right? If I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. you have a lot of experience in these things. Uh, do you see a common thread on skills and, and activities that typically lack in a scrum team?
1: Yeah, I feel like often the same questions come up uh, when I work with Scrum Masters uh, through my mentorship programs. Um, we often talk about different challenges they're facing, and they're always the same things come up, which I actually believe are linked to that lack of skills. Those are um, inability to create sprint or protocols. Um, that is a very common thing, and a lot of... Uh, Teams just say, well, we just can't do it. It just doesn't work for us. But I think this is really related to the skills of creating goals because. You know, personally, even when we work on our personal goals or maybe our business goals as small business owners, uh, it is difficult to really set up good goals. Um, It is a skill that you need to develop. And I think this is one of the skills that a scrum team needs to have, right? Obviously, a scrum master is there to help teach the team, but they also need to be able to create good goals themselves, right? Uh, There's a lot of things that are related to Backlog management, I think. Uh, yes, technically we'd say, well, it's the product owner who owns the product backlog. But the reality is it's the whole team who needs to be able to manage the, the product backlog, understand it. And uh, there are lots of things that are related to that, which is writing product backlog items in such a way that it is clear who the customer is, why this item is important, kind of looking into that uh, more customer-centric um part of product backlog items, uh, splitting them in, in, uh, in a vertical way rather than in horizontal slices. So I think this is another skill um, that is required. And I feel that often, because this is new, we've never done this, we've never been asked to do this before, right? And now we're a scrum team and now we're asked, okay, you need to create goals, you need to be able to write good product backlog items, it's hard because we don't know how to do it. No, no one told us. No one taught us before, right? And um, and we kind of say, well, you know, it just doesn't work for us. And that's not something that we need to do that just not aligns with what we are doing generally. But the reality is that these are just the new skills that you need to learn um, if you want the framework to really bring you any benefits, yeah
0: there's a, you end up in a gravity trap, if you will. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah. Where if you try to do the, the run these experiments, you always, you almost get retracted as if it were gravity in old behaviors and, and known behaviors. So we're not used to creating sprint goals or to create product goals and focusing on the connection between these two and how they relate to the division and to the organizational vision. And it's kind of like, well, we've d- tried it now two or three times. Now we're going to abandon it. And you get retracted back to the, back to Earth, and um, you're done, basically. You never try to experiment ever again, because you don't try to escape that gravity level. What would be first mm-hmm. steps to still be focusing on escaping that gravity trap? Mm. Oh, the
1: first step... I think, like with anything, you would want to succeed at is continue pushing yourself. Once you hit that kind of, once you get to that uncomfortable level where like mm, I don't know how to do that. Oh, I don't feel like I can. Um, this is this is where you need to stay, and I, I feel this is where you grow. You know, kind of like when you exercise right? Um, when you're doing the exercise, the real, the real uh, growth of your muscle happens at the very last step. When like the, say you're doing crunches, it's the last five crunches that are giving you the most benefit, not the first 25, right? And I think this is the same way. You're building a new skill. So you need to go through that period of, um, uh, where you're maybe not doing it that good, right? Your goals maybe are really terrible, but you're trying you know you're trying to build a skill, and then this is the last ones that will really be the best ones, but you need to get to that before you can actually see real progress, real growth. I feel like it's kind of it's not the first step, but I think that's the way to go. basically well, yeah.
0: Is that something that, like what we were discussing before, like having a common agreement? Do you feel that's a mutual accountability of both the stakeholders and and leadership as well as the Scrum team?
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, Everyone's involved in that process, so I think definitely everyone needs to be able to to do that and in the same way as we say well the team is not used to being self-managed right uh, being proactive in the same way um leadership is not used to letting go of control so it's going to be uncomfortable this is also a skill of being able to do that and as we go back to obviously the uh the principles be- behind scrum and um we see the need for trust and courage, right? The, these are extremely important for the whole system to really work, for the framework to to be beneficial. So in order to have that, you, you need to, at some points, push yourself into that zone of uh, uncomfortability.
0: That's super challenging, especially because mm. it's so ingrained in the way that we work. And uh, you mentioned trust. I think that's one of the, the hardest thing to actually trust people. Some people say, well, trust is yeah. earned. Others say it's, it's given. Um, I don't want mm-hmm. to bash too much, but my experience, especially with corporate, very uh, so right, a conservative corporate America. Sorry, America, I don't want to blame you. Not pointing <laughs> fin- fingers, just my experience. But uh, it feels like people are saying we have to trust people, yet we still need mm-hmm. to check upon their work. So... It feels yeah. like there is no real trust. Yes. What's your experience with that?
1: I think I've seen, and not only in America, I've seen people being very scared, to be honest, by that word, trust. What do you mean I need to trust? Um, obviously, a lot of people, and I personally have lived through a uh, uh, professional challenges that are related to trust where um, infor- some information is used against you, right? And you feel that your trust has been broken. And it is really hard to, to put your trust again in others, especially if you have lived through something like that, right? In a, in a professional setting, I think a lot of people happen to at least once experience uh, something like that. Um so generally, I see people having having general problem with that I think uh because I am very big on transparency, for example, and I believe that transparency that radical c- candor um that need for very transparent information doesn't matter who it who it is whether it's uh, just the team members, the leadership um Whatever it is, if it's related to what we're doing, it needs to be transparent, and that requires trust, right? And often I get a lot of pushback from people saying, well, wait a minute, well, do they really need to know this? <laughs> or uh, do we really need to tell this information to these people? <laughs> yeah. And I feel this is kind of ingrained, and in, we always question, is it really necessary? And that definitely doesn't help building trust and transparency.
0: What's the, what's um, the most harmful thing that can happen when you don't have trust within your team? Why is it so important?
1: Well, what the worst thing that can happen is that everything that you do is, uh, um, really not bringing you benefit or even actually actively damaging what you're trying to achieve, if you don't have that trust. So um, when you don't have trust, what often happens is you don't have trust. So you feel that the other person might be untruthful, right? So you're trying to protect yourself, right? So it kind of goes into the circle of, well, I'm just trying to protect myself. So here's what I'm going to do, because. I'm, I'm just trying to uh, make sure that my trust isn't broken, right? And usually actions like that lead to suboptimal decisions or maybe uh, very important information that is not known until it's too late. And, so, and that creates a lot of damage long term for the, for the product and for the team overall.
0: Exactly. Like building a house without a solid, having a solid foundation. Gunther Gunter yeah. always refers to Scrum as a house of Scrum. It's same as as a house of Lean. If you don't have a solid foundation, if you don't have trust or the right levels of leadership, you're gonna build a house on quicksand, and mm-hmm. you're gonna build your ve- your perceived value on something that's not there. And ultimately, you won't be working as a team, but as a collective of individuals. Happening to work at the same time simultaneously instead of yeah. collaborating. I think that's that's super damaging also to the morale of people. I mean, do you trust everyone yeah. that you work with?
1: Uh well right now I'm kind of focusing on my business, so it's just me, so I do trust myself. You trust yourself indeed. <laughs> Most of the time. Most of the okay. time.
0: <laughs> Depends on what time of day. Friday night might be less.
1: Yeah, maybe not.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's that's the thing. About how do you make these kind of things transparent and and, and ensure that this becomes um, one of the acti- act uh, act geez, activities that people focus on? It's, it's the same as work. Right? Trust is less tangible as as work itself is. These specific user stories that we're working on or other product backlog items. That's pretty really easy to grasp and understand. Like these are the activities that we're supposed to be doing. Trust is way less tangible than than work itself is. How to move forward with that and how do these accountabilities within the Scrum team come to play?
1: I draw a lot of parallels with the relationships um, I have in life. Um, And I think that you can use the same approaches to when you're trying to build trust with teams. And this is... Uh, what I call kind of over-communication, not oversharing, <laughs> over-communication, where um, when you have a um, concern or a thought, maybe you have a concern that um, someone isn't holding information, right, or whatever that is. Um, or maybe you just feel frustrated because someone did something that you were not a didn't agree with right the best way to approach it is to communicate it right away because if you don't right this is when we go into the cycle of resentment well why didn't this person do the task they were supposed to do um well they don't know that is actually there is a frustration associated with this right or maybe you think talking about the foundation you made a mistake Right or uh, something like that happened. You need to communicate it, and I think like that over communication is so essential. Even if you have communicated it already, I feel it's important to always come back to that and say, "Hey, just just so that everybody knows, here's what happened, here's the information, and um, I'm just being honest, transparent." there is a cycle between trust and transparency. Like you need trust to have transparency, but you also need transparency to have trust. So you need to kind of enter the cycle from some angle, yeah. right? And I feel that that communication is definitely essential. And uh, just looking personally, I feel this is really what helped me build stronger relationships with people overall. And I think this is what can build really strong teams.
0: But it's really easy to point the fingers. Daria, you need to be transparent. You need to trust me. Wow. Mm-hmm. And this is the annoying thing my therapist always says. If you want someone else to change, you got to start with yourself. And a good yes. question would be, how can I help this situation? What can I do to, i oh, breaking my keyboard, uh, but what can I do to ensure more transparency and to support this change? And I think that's... It's really easy to look at what other people are supposed to be doing and what they need to change. But having a real good look at yourself, I think that's one of the Mm -hmm. most demanding as well as challenging yet rewarding things that someone can do.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: What uh, do you feel that the product owner in that sense could help to support this gradual change in the organization?
1: Well, as the product owner... Uh, works well has kind of the closest um, uh, closest path to stakeholders. They do represent their views. Right? They um, have a lot of that part stakeholder management happening. Um, and I feel this is their connection to that other layers of the organization where they can build the that foundation for trust. The same way as you say, well, you first need to look at yourself. And that's where we're coming back to the courage topic.
0: Yes. Well,
1: you need to be courageous, right? And, and I feel like the whole scrum team really needs to work together on it because yes, the product owner is has the closest connection to stakeholders or to leadership for, for that matter. Um, but I feel that the whole scrum team needs to support it, right? Um, the scrum master in the same way needs to be there to um, support the product owner in, um, in tough conversations or maybe tough decisions they need to make. Um, and I feel this definitely helps through, um, same, using uh, sprint reviews, right? That's a perfect opportunity for the whole scrum team to come together and help, everyone to start building that trust, uh, not just the product owner. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't single out one person of the Scrum team. Um, so I think that it is important for kind of everyone to be on the same page. And um, what I'm thinking kind of coming into, into my, my mind, as you say, well, I need to, you need to look at yourself, right? And that applies to every single person in the Scrum team. And um, the way I do it as a Scrum Master is I'm being very upfront with the team where I say, hey, um, I don't know everything. I definitely don't know your expertise. And so I put my trust in you. Um, I know that you are doing a great job. You're professionals, but I don't know things. I'm going to be asking some stupid questions. Right? And if, say, we are facing a challenge and I don't really know what the right solution is, I'm going to say it. Okay, actually, I actually have no idea how to approach it. Let's figure it out together. And I feel that every single member of the Scrum team, obviously including the product owner, need to be able to do exactly the same thing. So when the team comes together, for example, in a sprint review, if one person says, Hey, I don't know, or I made a mistake, everybody else is there to back them up and not say, Well, actually I knew exactly what happened, right? So
0: You did make a mistake. You messed up big time, man. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I think that's that's a core fundament of, of as they call vulnerable leadership or creating that psychological safe environment. Things as easy as saying, Hey, I don't know, or I made a mistake, please help me. Or I'm, I'm struggling with this. What do you think? I think those kind of questions open up uh, a new area for other people to pitch in as well, to feel more comfortable and, um, putting themselves out there as well and, and discussing their personal challenges. And in that way you create more trust in the organization instead of leaning on someone else and waiting for them to pick your work up or try to cover up your blame. Yeah. What is it that made you uh, so eager and inspired by professional Scrum and these digging for these missing skills?
1: So you mean like how I went into the Scrum Master? Yeah, sure. Um, role and then yeah, professional Scrum Trainer. Yeah. Um, I guess I can say that it happened kind of by accident at the very beginning and i'm very happy it did um i used to be a content manager so not nothing technical at all but uh, the organization i was working with uh, was going through an agile transformation and i heard that there is a scrum master role <laughs> i started to research it and look into it and it sounded nice i i, I feel, felt like okay this sounds like a a good progression for me from where I am right now. And honestly, I think especially after a couple of years in the role, when I started to be a real Scrum Master, I just could see, I really started to enjoy the role because I was able to create great connections with my team members. I could see the results of my work through the results of their work. Just being able to see... Uh, teams, you know, enjoying their work, coming to work, enjoying working together, having fun. And uh, what it led me to thinking, we spend so much time at work, we can't waste it on being constantly unhappy or unsatisfied at work. So how can we create environments where we actually enjoy what we do. And I feel that Scrum Master role, professional Scrum, actually helps me achieve that purpose, helps me create environments where people thrive.
0: That's beautiful.
1: Yeah.
0: Then why the link with professional Scrum trainer? Is that the same to continue down that path?
1: I think, well... I had a couple of, well, a few years, obviously, as a Scrum Master at the time, and I just felt that I want to reach more Scrum Masters and help other Scrum Masters to kind of get to the same understanding of the role and enjoyment of the role as me. Um, It was a tough path for me for the first couple of years. Um, And then after that, when I really understood the role, I really was uh, getting some great results uh, from my work. Uh, And I had a chance to work with a few very new scrum masters and to mentor them. And I think through that mentorship, I saw that I really want to reach more people, more scrum masters, and uh, going for the trainer um, path, for example, that was I felt that this is exactly what will help me get there, what will help me uh, touch more uh, scrum masters to help them be more successful through training, mentorship, and uh, just being there in the organizations um, in um in consulting or coaching roles as well.
0: well. Becoming a professional Scrum trainer is a pretty challenging path. It, t- it takes a quite a long while. You have to re- really understand yeah. Scrum through and through. And I think that you can't do that really alone, just by yourself. Uh, do you feel trusted or do you feel inspired and that there it has been that um vulnerable leadership in that sense as well, while you're being guided through becoming a professional scrum trainer.
1: I think the yes, I, I agree. The path is very, very hard. Um, I think even though we, we see what the steps are at the beginning before applying, no one really prepares us for, for the path still. Um, and I got very lucky because I had um, a few people around me who were uh, scrum trainers already, and um, they definitely supported me for during this this path. So here in Canada, and that definitely helped me. And as you say, that vulnerable leadership, I feel that this is more of being open being there and being willing to help instead of saying, well, I'm, I don't have time, right? Or I am doing this, you're way too far behind me, talk to me when you're here, right? And I feel that that definitely helps just the community allows people just to connect with each other, I reached out to so many trainers, and most of them replied to me, and that definitely helped. And I feel that generally, what the the community is about is is that community aspect, right? We're in it together. Let's work together. Let's help each other, and that I think kind of comes from that sense of vulnerability as well.
0: Would you have been able to achieve such a professional level if you would? if there was a perceived lack of trust and courage and this vulnerable leadership.
1: And on the trainer side, you mean? Yeah. Huh, a hard question. Um, I don't know, maybe not, <laughs> I don't know.
0: I think that this already implies or uh, demonstrates why trust and that level of leadership is so important, whether that's becoming a professional Scrum trainer or in the profession that you're working on as, as a Scrum master, as a developer, or whatever work that you're doing in any complex domain, trust is super important. And if you have the right levels mm-hmm. of support, trust, courage, um, that leadership that you're supposed to be having, or that would do good, uh, there will be more effective growth for your organization, for your team, and for your personal development as when compared to when you wouldn't have that level of trust. So I don't want to go mm-hmm. too much into the, the path of becoming a professional scrum trainer. Uh, it's more about if you are stimulated in with the right people and with the right mindset and re- with the right activities and levels of trust, mm-hmm. you'll be able to achieve great things. And I think yeah. that's so undermined in most organizations still uh, Mm -hmm. because of whatever reason
1: yeah well yeah without going into details of i guess the path to the uh, scrum trainer is i think what definitely helped during that path is that We go through that path we try things um we go for different assessments or peer reviews and whatnot and we even though we don't expect it we hope it's not going to happen but we fail yep (laughs) right we need to do it again and if we'll say in a traditional organization we would look at that failure like okay that's it that's Anyway, you're not good enough for that. Um, Just forget it, right? You're just, you failed. And I feel that that path instead, um, when you're going for um, becoming a scrum trainer, is that that failure is looked at as a great opportunity to learn. It's just, that's okay. Um, It's just a little uh, stop uh, on your path, but that's just an opportunity for you to learn. And we are waiting for you to come back and show us what you learned right and i think that definitely helped me to accept failures as well um more just because you're going through that path and you're going to fail and the generally the community looks at it as that's okay that's normal we all did this (laughs) just Come back when you're ready. Can you and-
0: imagine what levels developers and organizations would be able to achieve if this would be the mindset behind it? And of course, uh, there's a, there's a, the capitalist approach to it as well. This money is supposed to be yeah. made, still your you work for, work for an organization. But if you have this mindset, how much you can unlock an intrinsic motivation, therefore more knowledge, innovation future proofness, uh, these kind of things will be unlocked when you have the mentality that you've just described. And I think that's uh, when we speak about missing skills, I think that's something that a lot of organizations and professional scrum masters can still learn about uh, a lot about.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: We're slowly nearing the end of this episode. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Where can people...
1: That was fast. It goes fast, doesn't it?
0: We can do this again uh, quickly. Um, where can people find you? Where can people interact with you? Where can people find your courses?
1: Yeah, so I um, um, I have my online um, presence on the scrummastered.com. So it's uh, uh, my website where I share videos and uh, blog posts, of course, but I also work on lots of guides and very practical insights for Scrum Masters. My focus is really on helping Scrum Masters uh, become more successful, not through just uh, traditional training, but actually by giving practically action plans and uh, improvement plans for them to use and to help them take those first steps um, with less stress I'd say so I'm at scrummaster.com you can find me of course on LinkedIn Daria Bagina so yeah and uh, I'd love to see people um, on my website in the comment section or on my YouTube channel
0: the links will be included in the show notes as always Daria thank you very much for being here
1: (laughs) thank you so much for having me
0: Thanks, Daria. Thank you guys for tuning in for this episode of the Mastering Agility Podcast. Remember to check out our free events in Boston and in Atlanta. You'll find them on the nlscrumpbeatup.com group. I'll leave the link in the show notes as well as the link to the Discord community where you can find even more information than hundreds of other inspiring Agilists. If you like this platform please leave us a good review leave a five star review or thumbs up or whatever you want to do sign up to to whatever platform that you're listening this episodes to hope that you're tuning us and tuning in next episode again take care of yourself take care of each other see you guys later